Hi, I'm John from Northboat Church of Christ. We're studying Exodus, Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they've hit a wall. Just as a summary, coming from chapter 14, Israel has been delivered from the Egyptians. The, they have crossed through the Red Sea. And God has delivered them to the other side. They've seen the, 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 they've seen the Egyptian army, the world power army, just utterly wiped away with the waters of the Red Sea. And so in this chapter, two thirds of the chapter or three quarters of the chapter, and most of the chapter here is a song, a poem of celebration. And they, they want to celebrate because they saw 600 chariots of trained soldiers coming for a group of slaves, and they didn't think that they had much of a chance. Um, they, were, they, they had all kinds of things going through their mind. So this song of deliverance, this song that they're receiving, that, that's a song of Moses is celebrated throughout um, Jewish history and today, and it is still celebrated because of such a deliverance that God parted the Red Sea and they walked on dry land and they stood back and watched as this army was. In. So they're, they're dancing, they're dancing in joy, they're celebrating. They're saying, wow, did you see that? Did you see what God did? Isn't he awesome? He's wonderful. Did you see how he delivered us? And then God takes them in the chapter after this great celebration because God enjoys celebrating with us. It was his victory. He did it. And he saw the pleasure of his people and dancing and just having a big block party. And he leads them into the wilderness of Shur. Now, Shur means wall. Okay? It means a wall. It's a wall of a wilderness. And so they had their backs against the wall, against the Red Sea, and now they have their backs against the wall of Shur. And they are three days marching through this wilderness. And, and that's how it is when you hit a wall sometimes. You, you, you think you're, you're moving forward and you feel good about it. And all of a sudden something comes up. That happens to me when I'm working on, on my car. Um, I'm not a mechanic. I, I don't work on cars every day. I don't come to all, to all the number of different problems that you can have with a car. And then here it is. I've hit a wall. I need advice. I need help. Well, they're in the wilderness of Shur. They need help. They spent three days without water. And they come to Mara, and they found no good water. And Mara means bitter. So the water is bitter. And they cannot drink it. If you drink bitter water, then it's going to come back out. One end or the other. All right? It's not going to stay in your body. Your body doesn't like bitter water. And so they... They can't drink this water, but they really need some water. And so they're disappointed, they're bitter, they're, they're murmuring. And what is murmuring but complaining? And God hears this, and he sweetens the water for them. And God tells them that he was proving them, he was testing them. <clears throat> 
Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, all right, and hopefully you use uh, some, you use a, something for a Bible, okay? I carry the Bible on my phone, and, you know, I hope that you turn to these scriptures that we give so that you can learn how to find them on your own. You can see what it says and and verify, and, and as you read, this word of God will be in you. And so please turn, please turn to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It says in verse 11, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And who's he referred to? He's referring to the Israelis in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written for our example. We're supposed to learn from it. And there, so I'm meditating on this, trying to learn from it. I'm praying to God. I'm meditating on his word. I'm reading the word. And three things stand out for me. One, salvation. Salvation means delivered. Delivered from, from evil. Delivered from, from a disaster. Delivered from death. Um, hitting the wall. All right? Hitting the wall. They're first their backs are against the, the Red Sea, and now they're in the wilderness of Shur, which means wall. And then what are God's ways? What should I be learning? What are God's thoughts? For, uh, and, and where is he taking them? Why is he doing this? Well, salvation, salvation, again, means deliverance. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4, it says, <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. And so here it is, they're following a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire at night, that rock was Christ. That deliverer was Christ. And so God's saying through his uh, writer, Paul, the apostle here in Corinthians, that these were symbols and that we're to learn from those symbols, that there is a general principle there and that they were all baptized when they passed through the Red Sea under the cloud of Christ. That's some pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing that God had that plan for them. He has a plan for us. We are saved. We go through uh, baptism. God has commanded us to pass through waters and have our enemies washed away. And our enemies happen to be sin. The sin and the old flesh, the old body. Well, look at what James 5.20 says here. Since we're thinking about why does God do do something for us. 5.20, it says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. 
cover a multitude of sins. That's the enemy that's washed away. And so there is application for us in this Old Testament passage, passage chapter Exodus chapter 15, that maybe if you read it, you may not, you may read it quickly and miss that there's some meaning there. That God did deliver the Israel and that salvation is parallel, is symbolic of the salvation that he's giving to the world today. And that it was Christ involved in that, that Jesus was involved in that. Romans 6, 3 through 7. And please turn, please do turn. 6, 3. Or did you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Well, the Israelites went through the Red Sea. They've been freed from slavery because their captors were washed away. Well, when we go through baptism, we gain a salvation, a deliverance from our old selves, our old bodies, our old sin that has been put away. <clears throat> Luke fifteen ten. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Joy in the heavens. Here we see the song of Moses, the song of Miriam, that, that it's just a great party. It's great joy whenever God succeeds, whenever God triumphs. It's, it's a miracle to us. It's a true miracle. It's not a pretend miracle. There is something going on. When God says that um, he can save, he can do it. He can deliver us. And so there is great joy when, when just one person is delivered by God. Revelation 19.9. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called of the, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Okay, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what we do when we have the Lord's Supper on Sunday. The body and the bread of, that represent the body and the blood of Christ. Right? The, 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 the bread is the body of Christ and the blood is, is the blood of Christ. That he gave his life that we might be delivered from death. Okay? So we have received the great salvation. When we have the Lord's Supper, when we're called to the Lord's Supper, there are times that we should remember that this is a great celebration. 
that, that God enjoys celebrating that with us, that Jesus has risen from the dead. It is time for rejoicing. It is time to celebrate when we have uh, the Lord's Supper because we have been delivered from death, the same as the Israelites. <clears throat> well, you know, when someone becomes a, a Christian, they're a new Christian. They've just been delivered. And we, we have this great celebration. We, uh, we are, um, we're celebrating and, and they're celebrating and especially they're celebrating. They feel great. Okay. They realize that, that they were a sinner. They didn't want to carry that burden anymore. And here they are, a new Christian. They say, well, what do I do next? And they're going to hit a wall. Now, all of us hit walls. All the way through our Christian journey, we hit a wall. We, we get to a certain point and we, we're like, well, I've been studying this. I don't understand it or I can't seem to overcome this sin. Where do I go with this? And Paul, Paul says it in Romans, the seventh chapter. He says it like this. He, here's a man of God who's traveling the world, starting churches everywhere, just an amazing man a knowledgeable man, and he says this in verse, starting in verse 22 through 25, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Only Jesus Christ can, can help us. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is given to us when we're starting out, when we become Christians. God has promised that to us. It come, God comes to live inside us. And we know he knows that we're going to hit a wall. He knows we're going into that wilderness. He knows that with that life is going to throw different things at us. And those things, when we hit that wall and we're confused, we're going to have support. Okay. We're going to have that support of the church. We're going to have the support of God's word. We're going to have uh, communications or prayer with God. We have those support mechanisms. We have the Holy spirit that can guide our spirit. But we have, to, we have to know that this is not the end. Just because we hit a wall doesn't mean we, we stop working, right? Um, I, when I hit a wall with my car, I, I get some advice. Maybe I go on the internet, I go on YouTube and I watch a YouTube, or maybe I call a friend that's a mechanic. Maybe I, maybe I just say, well, I have to give this over to someone who's better at it than me. Maybe that's what God was trying to teach the Israelites, that you've hit a wall, there's nothing you can do about it. Where do you turn? You turn to God. That's what he's, he's trying to teach them. First um, John 1, 9. And this always comes up too when we're a new Christian, right? That, you know, I, I've had my sins forgiven, but... What if I, what if I sin again? What do I do? Do I, do I get baptized again? No, no, we don't get baptized again. We get baptized once. We become a Christian and God 
expects something to happen as we move forward. And that something is, in verse John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He knows we're going to sin, but he wants us to know that we need to confess. Who do we confess to? We're confessing to God. We can confess to each other. We can help each other. All right. We need to be a trustworthy person if someone confesses to us. But God is expecting us to turn to him, not to our old self, not to our old flesh that we're warring with, but to to the one who delivered us. And so he's waiting for us, just like the Israelites, he's waiting for the Israelites to realize that God is going to deliver us. It's not ourselves. We're not, we're not just trying to work out our own salvation by ourselves. We're trying to work out our salvation by turning to God and confessing our sin. So a lot of times we, we forget this. We become a Christian, we're going on our way, and we forget that the initial part of becoming a Christian for the first time was confessing Jesus, confessing that we are sinners, and then repenting or turning away from our old selves or turning away from sin. Sometimes, you know, when someone does something to us, we're just standing there and we're waiting. We're waiting for them to just say, I'm sorry. We wish that they would say, that they were sorry. And then we could just forgive them and go on our way. We need to forgive them anyway, but we'd like to just hear it. Well, God, God just wants to hear it. He wants you to confess. He wants you to acknowledge that you've hit a wall, that you're struggling, that you need help, and you're turning to him. He is the deliverer. <clears throat> In Romans 14, 14, 11, and 12. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. To each of us shall, so then each of us shall give an account to himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall our to block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Sorry about that. Um, You know, we are quick to judge others. But what about ourselves? You know, it's, it's a bit painful to admit that we're wrong. It's a bit painful to, to look at ourselves and say, wow, I was really wrong. We know that we were wrong, but it's painful to admit it, to confess it. But in the end, we're going to have to give an account for ourselves. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 26 through 31. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup 
of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. God says, you need to judge yourself. Don't focus on your brother. Don't focus on your sister. Don't focus on your mother or father or anyone else. Focus on you. Your relationship with God and the one you have offended is God. And he said, confess. Ask for forgiveness. Turn to God who is the deliverer. Turn to Jesus who is the deliverer. So we always have a choice to blame or to trust. When we complain, when we murmur, that's a sin. And God says that's a way of blaming God. He takes it personally. He takes it as an insult. And therefore, it is a sin. So we don't want to we don't want to sin before God. We don't want to complain that God isn't delivering us well enough, that we don't have a good enough physical life. Is it really about physical life, or are we preparing for eternal life? You see, there's a thinking. God is shaping our thinking. We hit a wall, and we hit a wall so that we can think our way through that wall, so that we can prepare our spirit. Our mind, our body can be shaped to go through or beyond that wall. Get around that wall. If you follow a wall um, and you're persistent enough, you persevere, you're going to, to get through that obstruction in your life. God says that there is hope for every obstruction. And there are some nasty, terrible things out there in life. And I can't, I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going to go through, but this world is not heaven. Unfortunately, we have to come to that realization that God does not promise that this life is going to be easy. It's not easy for the Israelites who are our examples. It's not easy for us today. It's not easy for any Christian. Any Christian can fall because we hit a wall and we have a choice, blame or trust. We turn to God when we trust God. And so as we mature as Christians, we're going to turn to God more often. We're going to confess our sin. Now, remember, remember David, when he was sinning with Bathsheba, he was on that rooftop. His eyes went where they shouldn't have gone. What if, what if he had stopped and confessed right there? That would have ended a whole chain of sins. A man's life would have been spared. Nathan, the prophet, wouldn't have had to go to him and call him out. We need to confess early and often. And so trust God. Trust that he will forgive you. And when you're in this, this sin, this like we're like addicts. <laughs> All right. I've worked with a couple of addicts, and, and they taught me more about myself. Than, than anyone else. Uh, God has put me in that situation for me to learn. 
that I have addictions. You have your own addictions. And so if we turn to God with those addictions, those things that we've hit a wall with, that we're struggling, we can't seem to get beyond, we trust God and turn to him. We trust God and turn to God's people. We look for help in the right places. And so here we come to God's thoughts. Okay? God's way of doing things. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, very famous passage. Turn there, turn there with me. Just because we're on, just because we're on the internet doesn't mean that we, we don't have to use our Bibles. All right. Use your Bible, learn your way around it. Um, get into God's word and meditate on it. Maybe this chapter 15 is going to mean something different to you. These are, these are what it means. These are the thoughts that I have from, and then God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, I could have some thoughts that I could be totally off. Hopefully I keep studying the Bible and I get better thoughts because I get God's thoughts. And his ways are often, we, we question God's ways. We don't understand the thinking. Well, that's Okay. That's okay. We, we can question him, but we don't want to blame God. We want to try to figure out what is God trying to teach me? There's many times in my life I've, I've been faced with, with something terrible, not to say that God has caused the terrible thing, but what can I take away from this? How would Jesus approach this wall? How would he approach this problem? And what, what would happen? The most terrible thing was what would happen. The best thing, the best thing is that God always delivers me. And so in the most worst of circumstances, all right, the, the most terrible thing, suppose something should actually uh, cause me to die. Okay. What is, what's the outcome of that? Well, the outcome of that is that I stand before God. He sees Christ in me. He sees that I am a follower of, of Jesus, and and he says, okay, come in. I just want to be in heaven. That's the final place. I, I want to be there. You want to be there. I don't want to be in the other place. I don't want to be in hell. And so the worst circumstance in the world is that I fall back and trust the promise of God. And that promise is life eternal. And that's a celebration. So every time we fall into disappointments or we have a bitterness of what this world has dealt us, that we need to turn back to God because the final outcome is that we are with God. That we have a cause to celebrate because we have a hope that the world may not have, that the world does not have. Because God has not given it to them unless they come to him. Yes, the free gift is there. The free gift to become a Christian is there. And you and I know that people talk to you about Jesus. They talk to you about God. And you have that choice. 
You accept the choice, you have the hope. You reject the choice, you don't have the hope. It's it's not to blame God. It's it's your choice. That freedom of choice. But he is going to prove you. He's going to test you. He's going to put you in a place for you to learn, to grow, and to be different. If you accept that hope. If you accept to become a Christian, he will grow you to be more like Christ. Because that's our goal. That's what that's our goal is. In James uh, 1, <clears throat> James chapter 1. Two through four, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, God wants you to be complete. He wants you to lack nothing in the understanding of the ways of God. He wants you to have a better life. He wants you to be a better person. He loves you. God truly loves you. Now, maybe you've had a lot of human love, but this is godly love. God is love. Okay? God God is, you look up love, and there's God. Okay? He's at a different level. He loves you so completely that you can trust him. He loves you so completely that you can put your life In his hands, in his hands, let him mold you, let him make you, that he is able to do that if you trust him. So even when the hardships of life come and we're suffering disappointment, we're suffering bitterness. And as a matter of fact, we have gone through those hardships before becoming a Christian. Just because we become a Christian doesn't mean all of those past sins haven't made a mark on us, haven't made a mark on our lives, haven't made a mark on other people that we talk to. All right, just because God has made us different, they don't know that we're different. They think we're the same person. And some of us are still carrying some of those old habits, those old ways. All of us are carrying them, actually. All of us are carrying the old ways. We try to get rid of that. We try to drown that old person in the water. And for some reason, those memories didn't go away. Those habits didn't go away. The sin is gone from the memory of God. But sometimes it's not gone from our memory. Sometimes we have to give it over to God. We have to trust God and give those sins over to him. We have to turn back to God and say, I'm fighting this wall. I'm wrestling with my own flesh. I'm I'm just having problems. <laughs> okay? I'm having these problems. I, I, I just don't know what to do with myself. And so if you, we don't give these problems, so we're going to have that disappointment. We're going to have that bitterness. And that bitterness is going to sour us from doing God's work. It's going to keep us from doing God's work. It's not going to open us up to be the person that God knows we can become. All right. When we first become a Christian, we can't see what God sees. We can't see where God is going to take us. We don't know what kind of person we're going to become. But when God takes us and Jesus' body and blood covers us, our waters are sweetened. 
our life is sweetened. We have a, a better life, even in this world, not just eternal. We're going to have a great life eternally. If we stay in the promises of God, if we stay with God for the rest of our life, we're going to receive eternal life, which is better than any life we can have here. But even in this life, if we give our life over to Jesus, to his, to God and his word and to the study of it and put ourselves in his in with his people and get guidance from God, his people and prayer, those things are going to work. They're going to work. You're going to have a sweeter life. <clears throat> Exodus 15, 26, he tells the Israelites this. This is the chapter we're studying. And I haven't read the whole chapter for you. And I, I encourage you to go back and read the entire chapter. But it's amazing that at the end of the chapter, God says this to them. All right, they've gone through a huge block party. They celebrated their salvation. They hit a wall in the wilderness, and they're standing before bitter water that God has changed to sweet water that they can drink and live. And he says to them, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord of your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you, who heals you. You know, a wall is a problem. A wall in a life means that your life is a bit sick. You're ill. You're not feeling well. Disappointment and bitterness have seeped into your life. Something's bothering you. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus went around healing, showing that he can heal physical problems. He can heal spiritual problems. Most of the time when we have a, have problems of bitterness, it's a spiritual problem. Be honest. Be honest with yourself that you have some bitterness, that there are some problems that, that you're upset about, that you've had to work through maybe. And if you work through them with God, you come out the other side a better person a sweeter person, a person more like Christ because Jesus is a healer. <clears throat> so when we hit the wall, we're going to bounce, right? When I was very, very young, I forget how old I was. Maybe I was 10. I don't know how old I was. I was very young and in the backyard where I grew up, it was a small city yard, and we had one tree, and well, two trees. There were two trees, actually, but we had one tree where if you, you would roll your bicycle down, I would roll my bicycle down. I was learning how to balance on a bicycle. It was a small toddler's bicycle, and I didn't know how to stop. And so I would run into the tree. <laughs> Obviously, a tough stop. Okay, F equals MA, force equals mass times acceleration. My little mass hits that immovable object, and I decelerate, all right? Well, uh, obviously, I tried to do that by, by scrubbing my feet on the ground until finally I learned how to use the brakes. And then I was able to ride the bike in circles with, without the help of, of the wall, 
okay? <laughs> There's going to be a time where we're going to hit a wall and we need to bounce up. We need to bounce back. We need to get up and keep going. Perseverance, all right? I mentioned that I worked with people who were addicted to drugs in the past, and the one thing that they lack that a normal person seems to, or an average person, not a normal person, but an average person seems to uh, figure out in their lives is perseverance. They are very weak in endurance and perseverance. And so they need someone to encourage them. They need someone to tell them to keep going, that this can be overcome, that other people have overcome it, and you can overcome it. Whatever you're dealing with right now, you can get help, Christian help, so that you get the correct answers. You can get help from God and his word and bounce back. Get that encouragement to keep persevering, to work through the wall, to push through. You can do that. And that's what God wants us to do. He performs great victories in our lives. He doesn't have time for us to be grumbling and complaining and stalling. All right. It's insulting to God. He wants us to come to him and say, God, I'm, I'm against the, the wall here. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to get through. I don't know where I'm going to find the sweet water of life. That's what he's looking for. All right. He wants to heal us. Because when you give up disappointments and bitterness, when you give them over to God and he takes them away, he heals them, all right? Uh, you know, you, you feel this bitterness for whatever it is, whatever sin has been committed, either, either you've committed it or someone's committed it against you and he takes that bitterness away. What do you left with? You're left with peace. You're left with a better life. You're left with joy. You don't have that burden anymore. Just the same as when you became a Christian. Those sins are taken away. God wants to take illness away. He wants to heal you. He wants you to have a transformed life. Romans 12, 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove. You see, God is proving us. He's proving us for us. He's testing us that we would know the right thing to do. Before we would say, well, the world does this. It makes sense in the world. That's what I'm going to do. Those thoughts are not God's thoughts. We need to read the word of God. We need to hear his thoughts. We need to meditate on his thoughts and say, you know, I'm going to try it God's way. I'm not going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to, require payment from someone else. I'm going to give that over to God. I'm not going to battle that sin alone. I'm going to get help. I'm going to give it over to God. I'm going to let him transform my life so that I can continue in a reasonable service, a thankful service, a loving service, 
that God wants me to do it, I, I do it out of love because he has been so wonderful to me. He's delivered me. I, I'm ready to party with him. So we'll, we'll all be there in heaven singing the song of Moses. Look at Revelation 15. Revelation 15, it's a, a strange scene. Okay. 15, 3. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been made manifest, or been made known, rather. All right? So... So here they are, they're singing about how marvelous God is and how true his ways are and that he is the king of the saints. And if you don't know, the saints are Christians. They are followers of God. Their saint just means to be separated for the use of God. Your life can be transformed. I never thought of any of the ways God would use me in my life when I first became a Christian. And yet here he is, he's put me, he's put me making silly, uh, uh, random, rum, rumbling, random, rambling speech here. And he's using me. He's using you. He can use you. He can make you a better person. He can take you where you never thought you were going to go. He loves you. Trust him. Look back to him. When something happens in life and you don't understand it, turn to God, right? I, I don't know why God has us suffer and then die or has our body break down and then die. Why doesn't our body just go up into heaven? Uh, like we have a couple of examples too. Well, maybe there's something we have to learn. Maybe we're still learning to put our life into God's hands. Whatever it is, God is trying to make you have a sweeter life and prepare you for an eternal sweet life. I hope, I hope some of these thoughts helped you. Maybe uh, I haven't given the perfect thoughts. Maybe you have different thoughts when you read chapter 15. I encourage you to read Exodus chapter 15. But share, share with God. Let him make a sweet life for you. Don't hit the wall and just bounce onto the ground. Get up. Learn from it. And keep attacking that wall. Keep going. Keep being a Christian. Thank you.